Chapter Six of The Pirate Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Pirate Woman by Aylward Edward Dingle. Chapter Six The Party from the Yacht. The schooner yacht Fu Follette swam sluggishly along shore her lofty canvas flapping in the faint air. On her spotless quarter-deck, Rupert Venner, wealthy idler and owner of the vessel, lounged in a deck-chair, a picture of the utter finality of boredom. His guests, Craig Tomlin and John Pierce, made perfunctory pretense of admiring the lovely coast scenery along the port hand, but their air was that of men suffered with sights, tired of the languorous calm, blasé of life. The schooner's appointments typified money in abundance. From forecastle capstan to binnacle, she glowed and glittered with massive brass and ornate gilding. Along the waist, six burnished bronze cannons stood on heavily carved carriages, lashings and breechings as white as a shark's tooth. Over the quarter-deck, double awnings gave ample clearance to the swing of the main boom, the outer of dazzling white canvas, the inner of richest striped silk and cotton mixture. The open doors of the deckhouse companion revealed an interior of ivory paneling touched with gold and hung with heavy velvet punkas. The walls were embellished with exactly the right number of art gems to establish the artistic perception of the owner and to whet the expectation for more yet unseen. But with all this, the Fufolette housed a discontented master and discontented guests. Oh, for a breeze, grumbled Pierce, breaking in on the frowning silence. How much longer are we to drift around these stagnant seas, Venner? The very next slant of wind shall wing us homeward, replied Venner dreamily. I, too, am sick of the cruise and its deadly monotony. Again, silence, marred only by creak of gear and flap of idle sails. The schooner barely moved now, though the western sky held promise of a breeze later on. Then came a cry from one of the negro crew forward, and its tenor stirred the party into mild interest. "'De devil, if it ain't one of them mermaids! Oh, Caesar!' A ripple of panting laughter alongside brought Venner and his guests to the rail in haste, and gone to the windless heavens was their ennui. A gleaming, gold-tinted creature, a miniature model of Aphrodite, surely, arose from the blue sea and climbed nimbly into the main channels and thence to the deck, where little pools of water dripped from the radiant figure. She shook her small head saucily, and heavily masses of raven-wing hair tumbled about her, provokingly cloaking the charm so boldly outlined by her single saturated tunic of fine silk. "'Who in paradise may you be?' ejaculated Venner, while his friends stared with unconscious rudeness. "'I? I am Pacheret,' laughed the small vision, and her black eyes sparkled impudently. "'Pacheret?' echoed Tomlin, bewildered. "'Does Jamaica hold such beauties?' He awkwardly brought forward a deck-chair, while Pierce stood by in speechless amazement. Venner, as better became the host, ordered a steward to bring a wrap for the astounding visitor. But the girl laughed provokingly, and declined both. "'It is not for such as I, fine gentleman,' she said, and her sharp eyes were roaming busily about the schooner, appraising values like a veritable pirate. "'Keep thy courtesies for better than I.' "'Better than you, girl?' Venner's tone was incredulous. He was taking mental stock of the priceless pearls about Pacheret's dainty throat. 
to be found here if not here where shall you find such a one as my mistress pacheret retorted saucily your mistress without doubt i am but a slave my lady is the queen dolores a queen a white woman stammered venner oh venner let us look into this exclaimed pierce with unconcealed curiosity just what we have prayed for tomlin supplemented eagerly anchor venner like a good fellow a jaunt ashore will brace us all up nonsense objected the owner albeit with a good trace of inquisitiveness himself the breeze will come by evening and who knows what this coast harbors a bad name sticks to this shore pacheret had wandered forward and between sly glances aft and keen scrutiny shoreward she flung seductive smiles broadcast at the grinning crew prattling prettily to officer and man alike as if she were indeed a stranger to the ways of shipboard while she made her rounds the party aft entered into a warm dispute their curiosity was whetted but not sufficiently in venner's case to whom the safety of the yacht was paramount just then they wrangled for half an hour and the schooner drifted on until she was within a mile or so of the outflung false point then they were again startled out of their self-possession this time by a cry from the girl who leaned over the bulwarks a picture of ardent admiration for something in the water double awnings and snowy hammock cloths restricted the view shoreward from the quarter-deck chairs and surprise as deep as that which greeted the girl surged through the disputing three at a great splashing over the side accompanied by the boom of a voice that must come from a powerful free-breathing chest room for milo servant of dolores the hail rang out and by the same means as pacheret had used up climbed milo to stand motionless before the white men an astounding and awe-inspiring shape another slave of the mysterious queen demanded venner when recovered from his astonishment it gets interesting gentlemen and what is your errand goliath he inquired of milo i know no goliath i am milo i come to summon ye to the presence of my queen returned the giant with as much unconcern as if he were inviting the pirates to a barbecue a titter of amusement passed over the three yachtsmen it was tinged with resentment though and only curiosity aroused by shock upon shock prevented an angry rejoinder to milo's speech that could only have ended one way in physical damage to three idle gentlemen of wealth and pleasure a summons hey scoffed tomlin your queen values her rank i think a dangerous gleam crept into milo's eyes and pierce detected it in time venner he said quietly you cannot let this adventure pass here's every element of sport held up to us let us obey this command and get at least a thrill out of this humdrum cruise venner was thinking of many things and his mind needed little making up he had never lost sight of those pearls of pacheret's his eye could not be deceived they were priceless and pierce had not failed to notice the green jade skull charm that depended from milo's columnar neck a jade skull with pearls for teeth like the altar brooch of dolores and tomlin for all his expressed scorn was tingling with ardent desire for such piquant beauty and vivacity as pacheret's if such a creature were the slave then what could the mistress be he assumed a more complacent attitude and added his vote a good way of passing away this odious calm spell venner let us go where is this great queen my colossus asked venner i will lead thee to her presence replied milo thy boat will take us there in a few moments 
Further on, beyond that point, the ship may lie safely in the haven. Venner called upon his sailing master, and together they examined the chart. It showed a sandbar stretching off the point, a deep-water channel, narrow but accessible, close to. You can work into that anchorage? asked Venner. Uh, yes, sir, if the air don't die away altogether. It seems good ground by the chart. Then carry the scooter in and bring up. Call away my cutter, and, in an undertone, keep a good watch, Peters. This is an evil coast. The shrill pipes reverberated under the awnings, and sailors, neat and trim in white uniforms that contrasted beautifully with their dark skins, ran to man the graceful white cutter. Acheray sat in the stern sheets, cuddled up like a pretty kitten on a crimson silk cushion, and Milo stood erect, as firm as if on solid ground, between passengers and rowers as the boat sped shoreward. As the two craft separated, the schooner stood out in veritable beauty, an exquisite thing of gold and ivory, pearl and rose. Venner's eyes lighted with pride at sight of her. Even a long, eventless cruise had not killed the artist in him. He touched Milo softly on the thigh, and said with a smile, "'Has your queen anything like that, my friend?' Milo cast a disdainful glance at the yacht, abruptly turned away again, and replied shortly, "'That is nothing.' "'Nothing,' said Venner. "'Then where have you seen daintier work of men's hands and brains?' "'Thou shalt see.' Thy ship is a petty thing. Now, by heaven, Venner, he has you there, laughed Tomlin, never ceasing for a moment from ogling Pacheret, who purred with contentment, and smiled slyly at the frown that came to Milo's face. Oh, yes, a poor thing, laughed Pacheret, hugging her knees and rippling over with amusement. My mistress is a great queen. These, touching her pearls, thy rigging could be formed of such, if my queen willed. And in the house of such a great queen, my girl, are doubtless other things of beauty and worth, put in Venner with growing sarcasm. As witness is pretty wench, smiled Tomlin, striving to fix the girl's capricious attention, which persisted in flying ever to Milo. Patience, returned Milo. Do ye know of anything of untold worth? My queen has that which will buy it. Have ye seen a thing of peerless beauty? In my queen's house are many of its peers. Patience! No word more would the giant utter. Like a bronze statue he stood erect, guiding the cutter to a small landing with a silent gesture. And as the boat swept alongside, and the yachtsmen began to experience the thrill of near expectancy, Pierce caught sight of a knot of men loitering on the nearby slopes, and their appearance startled him. Good Lord! Look at these piratical ruffians! he cried. His companions started, and doubt came into their faces. Then Pacheret arose from her seat and pressed near to Tomlin, with an insinuating, caressing movement, and that ardent gentleman exclaimed impatiently, Ah, never mind their looks. Come on, Venner. This is what I've dreamed of all my life. Come on. Milo touched Pierce's arm, said briefly, Come. And that reluctant visitor stepped ashore, while Venner, after a little twinge of misgiving, succumbed to his curiosity regarding the hidden glories of his strange realm, and followed the great black readily enough. Up the cliff they followed Milo, Pacheret running ahead and looking backward ever and again with a seductive gesture of invitation, and in good time they stood before the council hall, the loitering pirates staring at them wonderingly, and from them to the graceful white schooner just then entering the narrow channel. "'Enter,' said Milo, and stood aside at the open door. The interior was dark and awfully still, 
and the three white men paused on the threshold doubtfully, regarding each other with half-ashamed faces. Enter, reiterated Milo, and curiosity got the better of them, for a swirl of fragrance eddied out to them, and one by one, until the hall was dotted with them, ruby and amber lights twinkled before them, seeming to beckon them on to something mysterious in the shadows beyond the soft lights. Neck or nothing, muttered Venner, leading the way. His friends followed in silence. Then the doors closed behind them, but fear, doubt, unbelief, all went to the winds at the spectacle that slowly unfolded itself before their gaze. Cleopatra reincarnated, by God! gasped Venner. His friends could find no words to express their sensations in that moment. Dolores glided out from the heavy hangings behind her chair of state, and stood, a vision of majestic loveliness, on the dais. Clad in her short tunic, her hair bound to her brow by the gold circlet that Milo had made, she had calculated effects with the art of a Circe. Her rounded arms and bare shoulders, faultless throat and swelling bosom, radiant enough in their own fair perfection, she had embellished with such jewels as subtly served to accentuate even that perfection. Upon one polished forearm a bracelet was pressed, a god formed from one immense emerald cut in a fashion that forced one to doubt the existence of such a cutter in mortal form. About her neck a robe of exquisitely matched black pearl supported a single uncut emerald which might have been born in the same matrix with that on her arm. Her red leather sandals were fastened, and her ankles crisscrossed, with such bands of gleaming fire as a goddess might have stolen from the belt of Orion. These things were revealed gradually by cunningly manipulated light effects, until Dolores blazed out entire before her stupefied guests. They, seeking for relief from the spell, sought in her face some answer to the riddle, but her expression was that of a being apart, tantalizingly, inscrutably indifferent to their presence. Then Milo advanced, prostrated himself before her, and reported his errand done. "'Rise, Milo, and I thank thee,' she said, and her soft yet vibrant voice sent a thrill through her waiting guests. Dolores waved a hand toward the door. "'Send Sacho in to me at once, Milo, and do you watch for the return of my wolves?' The giant went out, yet the calm face of Dolores gave no relief to these three yachtsmen. Uneasiness began to sit heavily upon them, and it was not lessened by the entry of Sancho, for such an awful impersonation of evil in one man they had never seen before. "'Sancho,' Dolores commanded him, "'it is my will that the vessel now entering my haven shall be cared for as mine. See to it.' "'The lads are hungry, lady. It is long since they tasted such.' Sancho snarled his protest with wickedly curling lips that revealed ragged yellow fangs. Dolores stared him down with blazing eyes, held his gaze for a breath, and uttered, Go, see to it, thy life is the bond. And Sancho slunk out like a whipped cur. There was an uncanny hint of dynamic force in the girl's swift assumption of authority, and Tomlin found his throat very dry despite the fact that he was drinking greedily of her beauty. Venner stole a look at Pierce, and saw in that gentleman a reflection of his own rising uneasiness. And then, at that instant of shivery doubt, Dolores smiled at them. And in that same instant, three men, with immortal souls, forgot everything of the world and affairs in the mad intoxication of her charm. "'Welcome, sirs,' she smiled, and stepped down to offer each a hand in turn, not in handshake, but with an air that said plainly homage was due to her, and whether he would or not, each of her guests raised the hand to his lips with reverence. 
"'What is your pleasure, lady?' asked Venner quietly. He was resolved to show his friends the way into this magnificent creature's intimate confidence, and the resolution promised interesting developments, for each of his friends nursed a similar one. There was, even now, less of comradeship in the looks with which his friends regarded each other. If Dolores detected this, she made no sign. She gave a hand to Venner, led him to the door, and smiled invitation to the others. They followed hungrily. "'I will give thee food and wine,' she said, "'and I have much to say to thee. "'I have commanded that thy ship and thy men be cared for. "'Tonight ye are my guests. "'Come, but first give me thy swords. "'Thou art with friends.' "'They complied dumbly, dazed by her radiant charm. "'They stepped outside into the glaring sunlight. "'A light breeze was now singing in the tall palms "'and making silvery music of the wavelets along the shore.' Far away to the southwest, a sliver of sail was in sight, and to a practiced eye could be made out as the pirate sloop returning. Dolores glanced swiftly around, seeking some evidence that her commands to Sancho were being obeyed, but she saw no man, no figure save the ancient crone she had discarded and sent to the drudgery of the kitchen. With a keen sidelong glance she saw that the schooner was heavily grounded on the point. A second glance told her that her guests were thinking little of the schooner, for their eyes never left her face. But notice was forced upon them, and the reason for the camp's desertion impressed upon her, by the weird, drawn-out scream of jubilation that issued from the old woman's withered throat an instant before her old eyes gave her sight of her mistress, and froze the cry at her lips. Ha, ha, ha! she shrieked, waving skinny arms. That's the way Renabez taught his lambs. Flesh your blade, my buller roof, and bring me some of the meat. Abruptly, Dolores's guests swung around to follow the direction of the old woman's arm, and the girl darted a look of fury at the scene. Out from the point poured yellow roof and a horde of strange mulattoes and blacks and shots crackles from the schooner's rails. On the little bay, two boats filled with Sancho and his men pulled frantically toward the fight, and the haven rang with howls of gleeful anticipation. Venner uttered a smoking oath and clutched Tomlin and Pierce by the arms. "'Come, fellows!' he cried. "'This is treachery!' "'Treachery? You wrong me, sirs!' Dolores's soft voice halted them. They stared at her, and she gave them back look for look until she saw the blood surge back into their faces and their eyes lose their hardness. Then she laughed, low and sweet, and waved them back. Wait, I shall preserve thy ship, and give thee back an eye for an eye if thy men are harmed. Trust me, will you not? She paused a moment to thrill them with her eyes. They stayed. Then she sped down the cliff like a deer. To be continued next week. Don't forget this magazine is issued weekly, and that you will get the continuation of this story without waiting a month. End of chapter 6 Recording by Todd